NASM's new subscription service, NASM Connected, is the best value in fitness. When you sign up, you'll get access to everything you'll need to expand your career, master new disciplines, and stay up to date with your certification in one great package. Gain instant access to over 350 online fitness courses available anywhere, anytime, on any device. Earn CEUs for dozens of approved providers. Plus, unlock articles, webinars, videos, and podcasts from the biggest names in fitness. Don't wait. Sign up today and unlock the best content in fitness at the best price. Get connected at nasm.org slash connected or call 1-800-460-460. 6276. Hello, everybody. This is Regional Master Instructor Marty Miller, and we are here for this edition of the Master Instructor Roundtable here with my great friend and fellow Regional Master Instructor, Wendy Batts. How are you doing, Wendy? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. And of course, I'm not going to forget this time. We're going to thank ahead of time our amazing producer behind the scenes, Greg, who's going to keep us flowing today. So, Greg, thanks for all you do to keep all of these amazing uh, presentations just running smoothly. So, Wendy, we've kind of moving into our third part of a three part series. We've been talking about small groups, maybe even like a little boot camp, And we've kind of gone through from corrective exercise to the OPT model. And now we're going to finish up with that part of the OPT model with the power phase. Yes, um, I, you know, this is a, an area where a lot of people start because again, when they think of, you know, small group training or you think of quote boot camps, you really try to think, okay, how, how quickly can I quote crush my clients? And obviously we don't, we, we wanted to do this three part series to show you guys the importance of really looking at the corrective exercise spectrum um, what you can do to help clients move better, feel better, and perform better, um, even in a small group setting, and then how to utilize all five phases of the model, including the CES, so technically the sixth phase. And then if we go into power, looking at something that is either phase five or, quote, phase six that you would learn a little bit more in the PES, I think it's super important because there is a continuum for a reason, and I think it's super important that um, that you kind of take your clients through that to progress them up to this this last one that we're going to discuss today. Yeah, and Wendy, I think the, the reason we love the model so much is there's so much variety. Now, we know that it's based on science and the best available science over the past 20 years has shown that this is the most effective way to train. But the other beautiful part of this, as the industry has changed and there's this push towards small group training, boutique experiences, People are really now focused on the engagement factor, the entertainment factor, having that constant change in their exercise routines. Well, guess what? The OPT model is that exactly when you look at from the CES all the way to the PES. So the beauty is as fitness professionals, especially if you want to work in this type of environment, when you really do need to come up with creative ways each and every day to show your clients different levels of workouts and changing things up, you don't have to get rid of the science. So exactly. the beauty is the, the model actually makes it even easier for you to create your programming. Uh, I can't agree more because again, if you guys think about small group and you're looking at it on a on a spectrum of a boot camp type thing, it's really important to think. I mean, how how many exercises can you possibly come up with that are like the same power, 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 power? And like to your point, the way to be creative is to be very creative within your programming. And I think that's one thing that hopefully by the time you watch this one, 
that we've we've really you know kind of embedded into your head of the importance of really taking it even phase by phase and it could be done like you know once you kind of get to this point you know that your clients can do it safely and they're having a good time then undulate it so one day you know go back to your your corrective exercise put in some of the the 421 tempos and then get them back up to the high intensity all out explosive um, exercises that we're going to actually talk through today yeah. And there'll be a couple things that we're going to reiterate. So if you've mm-hmm. worked, if you've listened to the other two roundtables, we're going to be reinforcing a couple facts. If this is the first one, definitely go back and watch the other two, because we're going to go through some specific things per phase where we're also going to cover each of the three, some general guidelines. And just going back to why we want to put the boot camp mindset in there is going back to where it was derived from. It was derived in the military and back and I, we have checked this out. We know so many people that have been through this themselves in the military 50, 60 plus years ago. A boot camp wasn't designed based on the best science. It wasn't based on exercise progressions. It was based on back when it first started, 18 to 22 year old men. And now that's changed to people can come in a little bit older and then there's males and females. But it was really designed. Can we break you down physically and mentally and under fatigue? When you're exhausted and possibly hurting, will you quit? And that was a great sign for the people running those boot camps, who should be in what type of facets in the military. Now, we love the military boot camp style, but what we mean by the style is getting people together in a group, having fun with it. But we don't really necessarily want to break people down. That's not what we do in our industry. We build people up and we want to have fun with it and encourage people. So, you see our uh, sergeant, our drill sergeant there yelling and screaming. We want to bring that up because we got to be very careful as fitness professionals, how we treat people and the environment that we create. Let's have a fun environment. Let's encourage people. Let's make it engaging and fun, but let's not, we're not here to scream and yell at people and we're not here to break people down. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, I said this last time, I'm going to say it again, because I think it's very important along those lines is, you know what, people are coming to you again to get a good workout in, to feel better, to kind of let go of all the stress that they have in order to really do something for them. And so you want to make that hour session or 30 minute session, however you're structuring your routines or your sessions for your clients, you want to make them, like you said, fun and engaging and very beneficial and specific. Um, Even if it's in a group, what can you do specifically for the group to better the group as a whole? And, and to your point, Marty, if, if you're getting yelled at at work, you're getting yelled at at home, and then you come in and all of a sudden your trainer's yelling at you, it's like you've got no way out. You've got nowhere to go. And so it's like that's one of the things I think when, you know, th- that I know with my clients, they really like me. Like I'm very hard on them, meaning I'm hard on their form. I'm hard on their tempo. I'm hard on execution of the exercise and my expectations of the delivery. But I'm also like fun and engaging and, you know, I don't make fun of people or I don't call them out by name. You know, if you see someone doing something incorrectly, you know, the best thing you can do is go to that person kind of like while everyone's kind of doing stuff and you're watching them as a group, kind of walk over to them. And if you have a microphone, move the microphone out of the way so they can just hear you're just talking one on one to them. Because, again, you don't want to embarrass someone either. Like, what are you doing? Like, you know, I said, do this. It's more of, hey, listen, turn your toe in or I notice that you get a little bit of an arch. So let's regress that. So so, again, your personality should come out, should shine through. And that's really a huge way of building your, your business. Um, and that brings us to these kind of points. You know, what what is your desire as an as an instructor? If you want to be a boot camp instructor, then you need to market yourself as I'm going to yell at you. I'm going to be hard on you. And this is my expectations. But I know a lot of people um, that used to watch The Biggest Loser, 
one of the big turnoffs when some of those individuals were going through some of that stuff was the fact that they were constantly getting yelled at. And you saw so many tears and so much, you know, so much emotion going on because they were breaking these guys down to embed the importance of fitness. And, and I don't, I don't know necessarily that's not my approach. It may work for other, other instructors, but just think how would you want to be treated and then make sure you're treating your clients that way. And Wendy, to that point, again, maybe, you know, we're already looking at 2021. One of the things maybe we can go into and I can share some of the research I did for my doctorate on why people perceive exercise the way they do. But the one thing that I've always, when I managed personal trainers or when I'm in a gym, you're always on a job interview as a fitness professional. So even if you're in a boot camp and everybody's participating, people are watching how you treat other people positively or negatively and may are making their decisions may not be anything to do with how wonderful and amazing your exercises are. It could be just simply, I'm afraid I don't want to be yelled at, or they're very motivating and they, you know, they turned around my whole attitude towards fitness. But if you do this in a fitness center too, trust me, whenever you're on the gym floor and we talk about this in our live workshops, which we'll get back to here soon, hopefully is whoever's in that gym is evaluating you as a personal trainer, fitness professional, when you're working with your other clients. So just again, keep that in mind. And we know from the research and just the way we like to be talked to is you're always going to do well with positive reinforcement and being that you know enjoyable person in that facility or environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, you've got to think too, I mean, as we get into power, the reason we kind of wanted to, to really talk about this in the beginning is because with power, you have to be very motivating. You've got to be loud. You've got to be exciting because you're trying to get, you know, people's brain waves to fire as, as quickly and um, as quickly as they possibly can. Um, because again, we're in power now. So you're moving as explosively as you can. But again, you know, you've got to know what, you know, going back to like all of this together, know what it is that you want to be like, what is you, what are, what kind of instructor do you want to be? What's your niche? Mm -hmm. And if your niche is being able to be all inclusive, small group training, utilizing the model from, you know, CES to PES, like all the way through, you know, you're going to have more people per session, which means more money. Um, you're also going to be able to have a lot of fun. And I've said this multiple times. I've done group training. I, I built my business actually starting in group training. Um, I worked with teams. So I had 33 people all at once. And then I started going more into small groups, working, you know, five or six people at the same time. Um, and then now going into one-on-one. -on -one. And um, I think, you know, being very well-rounded is important. But you've got to think it's not only beneficial for the instructor, it's also very beneficial for the client. Because, again, you start building friendships, you're, you're building the camaraderie, you're paying a smaller price point because there's more people in the session. So it really is a win-win. You just have to structure your programming to benefit the individuals that are in there. And I think that's what we're going to talk about today. Because, again, we're going to start with the most important thing that we've talked about every single time we talk about any programming, which would be the assessments. So. Absolutely. So just because we're going into a group doesn't mean we throw that out, you know, um, and just be like, ah, it's group. So it doesn't, it doesn't count. Absolutely. It counts. So in the other two webinars, and again, maybe we'll, depending how the conversation goes, we'll talk about the business side of things, but we've given some examples on how you can still do the assessments or how you could put this into your business. So just again, when I was uh, my last uh, job where I was actually taking on clients, I'm in a different role now, it wasn't just small groups. So I had the ability to do one-on-one. -on -one, I had the ability to give away free assessments and I had the ability to do groups. So what I always did is any of the members that came in, I always tried to, you know, get them right away and give away a free movement assessment. And the reason being is there's always something somebody needs to work on. Always, always, always. 
But that also allows me to tell them the offerings that my club has, whether it's one-on-one, whether it's small groups. And then the, the way I did my small groups is just like anything else, I had different type of classes. You can name them however you want, but I would show people kind of a path. Like here's our small group I suggest you go into, and that could be more of our corrective or stabilization based. Then after four to six weeks, we recommend you go to both of these type of classes. And then finally, after eight to 12 weeks, if you're consistent, then you can go to any one of these three type of classes. So that's just one way to do it, not the only way. But Wendy, I know that you did this a lot. So if you want to mm-hmm. talk about the assessments and how you did it, maybe differently when you were doing primarily maybe just small groups and how you could blend that in. Well, absolutely. And to your point, you know, you can do the individualized assessments and, and kind of plug them in wherever you see fit. I think um, that definitely is one one easiest. That's the easiest way. I think, Marty, the way that you have it structured. However, you don't always get that that chance. And I, and I did not. And it was mainly like these people signed up for the time slots that best fit their schedule. And then it was my job to make sure that I executed the programming correctly. And so every time that somebody would come in, um, you know, at the beginning of it, even if they've already foam rolled, they did all this stuff because they were regulars. We would start with arms over your your head, and I want everyone to give me 10 squats. And they looked at it kind of like a dynamic warm-up, but it was actually me seeing an overhead squat. Okay, great. Now, again, let's warm up those ankles. Let's see what you got. Put your hands on your hips and give me five single-leg squats if you can. Um, If you feel like you're unstable, this is how I want you to do it. And it was like I showed them what I wanted, and then I showed them the regressed way, so therefore they weren't going to blow a knee. Um, so again, there's my single leg squat assessment. And then it's like, okay, if I was looking at it and I knew that this was more of a powerful group and I was doing small group for power, then it's like, all right, guys, everyone get into a push up position and I want you to do this. And I would actually have them perform the Davies test. And so the Davies test, as you can see this individual below, it's usually, you know, um, tape that's spread out 36 inches apart. Obviously you may not have that. So you may just say, okay, I want you to go wider than shoulders and touch the outside of your pinky as fast as you can can i'm going to time it i want you to count on your own one two three and then i want everyone to stand up and yell a number out and that way i could see you know did they did we have people that were exceptional and had like a very high number and some people that had like five um because again i want to know upper body strength and conditioning and and what they could or could not do um same thing if you don't want to do one of another one of my favorite ones obviously is the shark skill test I'm, i'm very passionate obviously about power and the pes but if you're in a boot camp, you can't really do that. Or I say boot camp, like a small group training, you're probably not going to have all of these boxes lined up for people. So you could even say, okay, I want you to jump back and forth over this line. You do that five times. And then I want you to go side to side and we're going to do that on the right leg. Go. And then they go at their own pace and then they do the left side and they go at their own pace. And you can, you're scanning the room to see how are people landing? How are they moving? Not only in the sagittal plane, but in the frontal plane. Um, and so it kind of gives you a good understanding at that point, like some of these exercises that you had programmed, are they really that beneficial? And if they are, then your program is set for the day. But if you know that you, you have to be able to change your program on the fly. And we've talked about this multiple times and we'll talk about it. I'm sure until the end of time, but you have to have exercises that make sense to the people that are in your group in order for it to be successful and that you're limiting the chances of injury. Because again, even though it's power, you have to think what is power for you, Marty, may be different from myself. That may be different from like a mom. And so, you know, we want it to be power and fun, but just realize that the explosiveness for some one person may be different from another individual. And so you obviously don't want to yell at someone if it's not as powerful as you want it to be. You can say, give me all you got. You've got to be motivating that way. 
but the assessment is still a huge, huge important aspect of your programming. And you can easily do that in less than five minutes to have a good understanding of the people inside your, your group. Yeah. And I think Wendy, you, you went over so many amazing points. I think a couple of things are have a plan. You know, Wendy and I were talking just a few minutes ago about something, you know, like we got to have a plan. We got to have a plan. If you're assessing things, you can create the plan. And again, it's easier to have a plan when you have a system to work off of. You have the OPT model. That's why you took this education. So just because you're moving into small group doesn't mean you abandon that. Because I see so many fitness professionals, you know, they study this, they really get a good understanding of it. They do it one-on-one, -on -one, then all of a sudden it's, everything looks totally different when they went into a group and there's no need to. And then the other thing is, as you're doing this consistently and the, the, your clients get an idea and the flow of it, we have talked about this on other webinars is that you can allow some of your more advanced members or you'll teach your members to be a kind of a coach for you. They know to watch everybody's low back arching and their knee caving in and their feet straight. So when you do partner type things, I know right now we're in the COVID, but again, I can still be six feet apart from Wendy and be like, hey, keep your feet straight while she's jumping and I'm maybe on my rest. So the consistency that you put in will only help you and your clients long term. So that's where, again, don't get, you know, don't change things up. Use what you learned and now just apply it uniquely to these groups. Absolutely. And again, one of my big things is don't ever, ever sacrifice your form for a number and don't ever sacrifice your form to, you know, go an extra distance or try to think that you're going to outdo someone. Because again, you may be able to jump further. However, if you jump further and your feet are out or you, you know, you land inappropriately and stuff, you're really not benefiting anyone. And you didn't do anything besides, you know, kind of harm yourself long term. So I think when we get into some of the programming, uh, you guys can see some of the exercises, again, that we, we often do. Uh, we could be here forever if we talked about all of the different ones, but I know these are ones that um, are very common in our power programming. And so uh, I guess we can move on and really talk a little bit about, about now that we have kind of an understanding, we're going to go into the basics of looking at the template. So again, when we're talking about power, it's more explosive, it's higher intensity exercises. So kind of think of the hit type training. That's what we're going with on this. However, we're still programming using the kind of the template and the still the same flow that we do, even if it's a phase one, it's just different tempos, different acute variables and different exercise selection, obviously. So um, inhibiting, we're always going to foam roll. Obviously, if they can foam roll, but when they get there, that's most beneficial. If you need to do it in your class, I think it's important if you can. However, if you're out on a field or you're meeting people in the park and you don't have, you know, five to 10 foam rollers, which a lot of people don't, then at that point, then if you can't foam roll, then you're going to say when you go home, grab your roller, you know, really emphasize the importance of rolling. But we do understand in small groups, it's not always applicable because people don't always have that around. So if you can do it, and then of course, we're always gonna talk about the flexibility continuum. Um, we're gonna show you some slides on what that is and how Marty and, and I kind of walk somebody through uh, the continuum itself. We're obviously still gonna focus on core balance and plyo. Um, again, in your textbook, if you're looking even in the PES, we do say that that's kind of optional. I always think that core balance and plyo is important because again, I'm warming up the system. I'm making sure my glutes are activated. I'm making sure that everything is good to go. So when I go into my SAQ, I am as explosive as I can be. And then when I get into the resistance side of it, I'm as explosive as I can be. Um, and then one, one key thing that I, I know we've talked about, but I want to emphasize, you guys have to do a cool down. 
You have to, because again, if you don't do it, they're going to get in their car, they're going to leave and they're not going to do anything. Um, they may later on do a foam roll or something like that if you're lucky, but you have to think in your mind that if you don't do the cool down, it's just not going to happen. And you don't want people to leave pretty much torn up, especially after a, a quote power day, even in a group setting. Yeah. And the cool down is a great way to remind people about the next classes or mm -hmm. their your payment plan or any other information that, you know, is valuable. That gives you that three to five, seven minutes of, you know, really having their attention. So that's where you got to program for it, for sure. And, you know, if you do everything else right, you're not going to need every single minute to squeeze out, you know, the last bit of calories, etc. So, you know, when you look at the right type of things that we put together in this power, you're going to have time in the 30 to 45 minute boot camp for sure, still for at least three to five minutes of, you know, the most important part of the cool down. And once again, that also allows that sense of community when you can call out people and tell them how great they did or di how great they did as a group or a team, et cetera. Absolutely. And I mean, I think you make a very valid point, but I think it's super important again to emphasize, especially after a power. I mean, you got to think that, you know, you did all this high intensity exercise and then you say, okay, see you next time. And people leave. And, you know, that's an indicator too, that they're probably not going to be drinking a ton of water. They could be in a hurry. So they're leaving and they're going to go to one thing to another, but that's when you can get injury, you know, like you can get like things, you can actually increase the chances of injury even when they're leaving because you didn't take the time to kind of cool them down the right way and get the muscles back into proper alignment so so just on a safety standpoint it's a smart thing to do i mean why wouldn't you but we just i know we didn't spend a lot of time but it is super important to uh to make sure that you do it absolutely so you know we already talked about the foam rolling like i said it is so important here but now you know, the, we even talked about it the other day about uh, having the massage guns and that available. So there are other options that you can it can provide. So as when we look back here, you'll see our flexibility continuum. So yes, we are in the power phase. So we want to get to that dynamic stretching. But remember, the majority of our clients could have been working all day, sitting all day, maybe had to have a commute. I know where Wendy lives in Atlanta, it could be a good 30 minutes to go, you know, five miles. So, you know, you got to understand that even though they've earned the right to get to that power phase, that you may have to use the entire continuum to your advantage. So there's nothing wrong with going right into dynamic if that's what you think is appropriate. But we, you know, I know I use the continuum almost all the time for the, you know, the muscles that really tend to be overactive all the time. So whether we're talking about the uh, gastro, calf complex, hip flexor complex, adductors, lats, pecs, those are the type of muscles that you know that the majority of your clients are going to be tight. So we do the foam rolling if we can, then we go into static stretching, then we'll do some active stretching, then you get into your dynamic stretching. If you're going to use a continuum, don't go right from static to dynamic. Don't skip that step of the active stretch. We want to get that active stretch in there. So that way with that new range of motion, we now have learned how to control it by activating the opposite side. So if I, you know, inhibited my hip flexor before I go do any type of jump or power movement, I'm going to do an active stretch, which would look more like a bridging exercise to get those glutes to fire so they know how to control that new range of motion. So that's all we're going to say is definitely do the foam rolling. If you're going to use a continuum, once you go into that static, you have to do the active before you get to dynamic.
Absolutely. And I, and I personally think you're going to be way more explosive by doing this because mm-hmm. again, you know, when you think about the people that come into your boot camp, they, especially when you see the assessment, if you see a lot of people's feet turning out or you see that they do have a low back arch and you didn't really spend some time trying to get, you know, the lateral gastroc, you know, a little more, you know, lengthened uh, or linked back into that portion of, of the calf complex, or if you don't open up your hip flexors, like you said, then really, are they going to be as explosive or are they going to get as many gains as they would have if you took a few, few minutes to really spend time opening the hips back up? Like you said, actively, you know, think about reciprocal inhibition as one muscle shortens, the opposing side has to lengthen. So you're kind of working together from one end of the joint to the other. And, and to your point, then the, then the full available range of motion, you absolutely want to set them up for success. And I think, um, you know, we take for granted that, you know, when you go see a basketball game, you see people outside and they're, they're shooting the threes and they're doing this. You don't understand that a lot of times that you do things that you don't see, which I have personally seen, they spend a lot of time foam rolling and they spend a lot of time stretching and they have their athletic trainer working with them as well as other people that are doing some neuromuscular stretching. And then they go into some of the active and dynamic that we see out on the court. It's not that they came in, dropped off their keys, put on their jersey and then went out and started like, you know, shooting threes and, and running around the court. Um, if so, I think we would see a lot more injuries. So look at the continuum. Think of it as a positive. It's a good way to warm up. Um, people are going to appreciate it. You're kind of breaking them in before you put the, put a beating on them when you actually get to the resistance part, um, which, which again, if think of power, this is going to be a really challenging day for them. Yeah. And again, if you're using the continuum, more than likely these people have been with you for a period of time. If you're doing some type of power level workout, hopefully, not always, but it also gives you time to set you know, how the co- the class is going to run. It's going to allow you to go over some of the key things that you're going to be doing during that session. So that's, again, another reason why, just like I said, the cool down is a way that you get that time to really interact with them and set the tone. You can do the same thing in that progressive warm up when you're using the entire flexibility continuum. Absolutely. And then if we think about, you know, obviously we could talk about stretching forever, which we've done. Um, but I mean, after you obviously have gone through your stretching, we're going to think about the core balance and um, plyo exercises. So if we go to the next slide, you guys can see these are these are two examples. And again, we were trying to really think minimal equipment. Now, we could give you a laundry list of some of our favorites that, you know, if you had the a lot of tubing or you had cables or if you were in a gym that had a lot of equipment that you could do that are quote more power exercises. But if you're, you know, we were trying to think what's realistically, where are people right now? And right now, even though it's getting chilly, people are still going to the park. They're still meeting out. Um, I see mom groups in the morning, super early with their strollers and stuff. And, and the thing is, is what are some common exercises that you can do without anything um, for, you know, again, core balance and plyo. So for core, Marty and I really liked the crunches. And again, you can change your arm positions. Remember, if you cross your hands over your chest, that's going to be a little bit easier. If you put your hands behind your head or even just barely touching your ears, because if you put them behind the head, people want to actually go into some crazy, uh, you know, um, cervical flexion and, and strain their neck. Um, but you could do that to make it a little, little harder. And then you can do a long lever crunch. That's just doing a basic, you know, crunch, but you can add rotations. You can do different things. Um, if you have a med ball, obviously you could do that. Um, you want to talk about bear crawls and the plane? Yeah. And um, even with any of these exercises, I always kind of call it like a ladder or a buildup. So even though we're doing power, it doesn't mean I need somebody's best power output on the first set. 
So let's say I'm going to do three sets of whatever exercise you pick, whether it's crunch or bear crawl. A lot of times I'll say, okay, I want 25% of your speed. Cause again, I'm getting them warmed up knowing that maybe, you know, they've been sitting all day long. Then the next set, all right, give me 50%. Next set, give me 75%. So don't think that power means right when we start exercising, it's all you got. Because that way, you know, you guys understand all the scientific principles of, you know, getting the central nervous system fired up. But it also allows you to scan and see, hey, man, at 50%, most of people's form and technique are going down. So maybe, you know, maybe you didn't even tell them you're going to go to 75%. It gives you the ability to adjust and see how everything's going today and or coach and or separate, pull people aside or cue differently or maybe think of a different exercise. So use it however you want, but think about buildups. And then sometimes I'll do the same thing. Again, once they get to 100%, if I still want to do two more sets and I see form and technique going down, I'm like, all right, guys, this set 75%, this set 50. So that way they don't feel like they're failing you because they always want to please. So there's just, you know, another way to, to coach. But again, with the bear crawls, you can use them in stability. Sometimes they're a strength-based exercise for some people, but they could be power if I can move at a more rapid pace. Mountain climbers, again, you see a picture there at the top. So she could be going at, again, different speeds. There's a lot of core stabilization that's required, but she's still moving in a powerful way. And then trunk rotations, whether I'm just turning my body, whether I use, you know, my arms closer to my chest, I get my arms spread out. There's still some level of power component by me turning my spine and my hips, hopefully as well, with rapid speed. So just, again, some things to think about without equipment. It's very easy to come up with them, as Wendy said, with equipment, but we want to give you some options in case you're outside, somebody's in their home and they don't have equipment yet. Absolutely. And again, you know, when you think about uh, the next, when we talk about balance, you got to think the purpose of balance basically is that, you know, we're still trying to make sure that somebody can handle their, um, you know, the explosive movement that you're doing, but on one leg. And so again, you know, hops are very common. You can do them anywhere. Again, no equipment, but they could hop in all three planes. So sagittal frontal, as well as transverse. I often use like the clock. And again, like if they're facing forward, that would be 12 o'clock. And then I would have them point to three, point to, you know, point to, you know, six or nine or whatever, making sure that they knew the direction they were supposed to go. And then that way, just on a cueing standpoint, you're like, okay, from 12, go to three, hold it. All right, go back to 12. Okay, go back to three, go back to 12, go to nine, go to, you know, like, so, so again, they don't know what you're going to say next, but you know that you're going to have them hold. And that hold is actually controlled by you, who is kind of calling out the next movements. So again, they're focused on their landing and they're focused on what's happening. They're not thinking, oh, this is my stabilization hold. Um, and the same thing when you're talking about leaps, I love doing leaps. And again, leaps are usually like traveling leaps and they're explosive, but can you leap and hold and then hold, have good form? And, you know, look at the positioning, look at their arm positioning, look at how they're landing and can they control that while they're getting more explosive kind of moving now, um, but having to still move, hold and then continue on the next leg. So so again, think about hopping on one foot. It's it's challenging. Alternating feet. It can be challenging, but, you know, change it up. It doesn't have to be always the same. And, and it is a very different demand going from one foot to another or staying on the same foot and changing direction. So, um, so just some things to think about on, on balance, but I still think going from core to balance is super beneficial and, and very important. Absolutely. And you know, when you use the model going through core balance and, you know, are reactive. And then when you use the planes of motion, as I said before, you should never be searching for how to create these programs because everything is there for you. 
So start in sagittal plane. And then as they progress, you go to frontal plane. As they progress, you go to transverse plane. Or maybe one day you're going to do more sagittal plane dominant. And then the next time you could use the same exercises almost and just go all frontal plane. And to them, you created a whole new workout, even a bear crawl. You could go from sagittal plane to frontal plane, transverse plane. You bring in cones and have people do zigzags. So you don't have to always recreate the exercises. You can just add in what planes of motion you want them to go into. Absolutely. And again, you know, when we talk about plyo, you know, like you just said, you know, plyo does say it's optional and you don't have to do it because there's going to be an explosive, pretty much your whole exercise program is explosive. But for me, I just want to know that they're ready. And like you said, Marty, you, that's when you can actually call out different percentages. It doesn't have to be 100% off the bat. But again, if these aren't little like truly professional athletes or if these are people that, you know, are like the weekend warriors that you don't see very often, you don't know how crazy their week was. And when you saw their assessment, their assessment probably was not perfect. So also keep that in mind. You can still have a power component, but you also want it to make sense. Absolutely. And then, you know, as we talk about, depending who you're working with, we want to focus on this for all of our clientele, but athletes, especially now are focused on recovery. You know, when I worked in professional sports, it wasn't as much of a focus as it is now, but you know, as much as you're working with uh, high level business people, their stress levels probably higher Their you know, their sleep habits are probably not great. Their nutrition may not be great, which means they may not be recovered as much. So this is why, again, giving you, we want you to get to power, but giving you the ability to know how to program accordingly. Absolutely. And again, the think of this as just your warm up. So what we just talked about was, you know, core balancing reactive. I never say that's the workout. So usually after we do two or three sets, I'm like, okay, you guys ready to actually get started? And they're like, what? So if you do it right, again, you have fun with them. You know, you're joking around, you're, you're making it like a very fun environment. Um, I don't care if it's one-on-one -on -one or even in small group. I think that's that's super important. Um, but if we go back to the slides and we think about SAQ, you know, we don't often talk a lot about SAQ um, unless we're talking about power. Again, SAQ can be incorporated in the entire model anywhere that you you deem appropriate for your clients. Um, but I, once again, love the speed ladder. I've talked about this every small group. Um, you know, again, in power, I find it to be super beneficial, but again, upper body and lower body, um, power can even be for seniors. We talked about this before, because again, everyone's quote power level is going to be a little bit different, but be creative. You can do upper body stuff. You can go right into lower body stuff. So you've got to think about the different positioning. You've gone from a face down position on their hands, they're getting a heart rate up and then you have them stand up. And then they do something, you know, on their legs and then they drop back down to their hands. I mean, just think of the demand on their heart, on all of their, you know, their entire um, cardiovascular system, as well as the muscles that you're working. It's super, super challenging, especially in a, in a very explosive type um, environment. So, again, you want it to make sense. They have to control it. Um, shuttle runs. I mean, you can shuttle run a certain distance, all different planes. You can, you know, we often talk a lot about like the left test. I mean, it's an assessment, but I use that a lot of times for drills because it's fun. And they're they're doing all different planes. They're going sagittal by running forward. They're backpedaling. They're going backwards. They're karaoke and their side shuffles. There's, you know, there's different types of rotational movements that they're doing. Be creative, have fun, make sure it makes sense and that it's safe. But it, your programming here, this is where people laugh and joke and you can make it competitive. And if they like their group, you know, they can race each other. I mean, in a fun manner. Again, you know, um, some people can be overly competitive like myself. And I'm like, I will do anything to win, <laughs> like anything. So you also have to kind of know the people in the room. 
Um, but then again, when we look at some of the other ones, I think we've got cone drills next. Um, when you look at the different drills, just to set it up in different patterns, as you can see the, the guy on the, at the top, you know, he's doing different drills. And then one of our favorites, Marty and I both are mirror drills and you can do these still six feet apart. Um, and basically what that is, is if Marty was standing in front of me and he started to, to shuffle to the left, I would have to shuffle to my right. Um, so I'm mirroring his motions the entire time, trying to keep up with where I think he's going to go next. Um, so it makes it fun because again, people start turning and you're like, wait, 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 and you're still running in a different direction. So, so that's what we mean by having fun. But, you know, again, when you start running around, who doesn't have a good time with it? Absolutely. And at the end of the day, you know, as much as we love to talk about the science and we want the science in there, our clients don't care about it as much. <laughs> it's, did I have fun? Am I feeling better? And is it interesting and engaging and different? You know, so those are where sometimes I understand why trainers go, I will say off the rails and they just start throwing things around. I'm like, well, but you use the science to your advantage to make your programming easier and know that you're doing the right thing. So you're more likely to get better results for your clients, but just really dive deep into the model to make it more robust. So you don't have to kind of outthink it. Right. And again, this is something that you can, you can purchase very easily. And if you, you know, and it doesn't cost a lot of money, um, you know, and again, you may have one or two speed ladders and depending on how big your group is, I mean, that's, that's one of the things when we talked about, you know, your small group and your niche, you have to know also what, what is your group size that you can handle where you can really give them the correct feedback and specific information they can to execute something correctly. But do you have the right equipment? Do you have the right space? I mean, all of that's going to be super important, but, um, but to me, I think the SAQ drills, people have a really good time with, um, especially in the power phases, because then you're like, let's go, let's go, let's go as fast as you can. Again, not being a drill sergeant screaming at them, like in a bad way, but more of a fun, enjoyable, like, let's go, let's see who wins. You know, I, you know, I got your money on you, Red, and, and you know, like whatever. So it's and just, think it's about fun. The, the carryover to everyday life and the safety, you know, when people can change direction, even if it's at a lot slower speed than we would see at the world's greatest athletes you know, there's a huge carryover to everyday life. You know, somebody steps off a curb or somebody has to move this, that way, or the other. And what I like about the speed, agility, and quickness is it's a safe way to get heart rate up without having to have so much impact on the body. You know, it's great to do plyos and jumps. And if people can handle them, we're all about it. But not everyone can take that type of pounding, you know, when they're jumping and landing. So again, speed, agility, quickness allows you to put in something that's going to have great carryover to their everyday life. It's fun and it can be very controlled, but still get their heart rate up in a very safe manner. Absolutely. And then again, you know, after we get done with SAQ, if we look about, you know, think or think about the actual program. So again, you know, SAQ is part of the program. But if we look at the the body parts and, you know, we were trying to think of what are some of our go to's and these the ones that we have listed right here are really typical exercises that I actually did even today with clients, um, you know, a plyo push up. And again, plyo push ups can be like you see this gentleman at the top. He's doing an amazing, his head's a little forward, but I mean, you know, like, but his plyo is actually pretty, pretty dialed. Um, he's got good form. And then, you know, and, the, and then to a leg circuit. And again, I love leg circuits. I'll talk about them as much as I can too. Um, but it's basically four exercises. They do, you know, back to back, uh, different planes of motion, different types of movement patterns um, for the legs. And um, you can do different planes of motion doing that. And of course, battle ropes can never go wrong with that when you're thinking about arms and shoulders. And if 
and again, it's hard to travel with ropes. If you're out at a park, you may not have that. But if you just say, hey, like, and a group text, looking forward to, you know, confirming too. Like, I'll see you tomorrow at eight at the park. Don't forget to bring two towels. You know, people bring two towels. And, you know, again, even the small ones, they can they can benefit from, or if they bring two beach towels, it's going to be a heck of a lot harder. So, you know, you can tell them, you know, bring beach towels if you want to make it tough, bring small hand towels if you want to make it easier. And you're still going to give them the different, um, you know, different things that you would do with a battle rope, but they're just utilizing, you know, towels and, you know, power step ups. Even if they don't have a step, you guys can kind of mimic that motion. Um, and then lat reaches, again, it's a little bit harder when you're on the grass or you're outside, but if you're inside and you've got floors that are slick and they have the two hand towels, you can actually get them in the push-up position. And then what happens is they go down into kind of like a one-arm push-up with a reach. They meet back and then they switch sides and then they can go as fast as they can control. Again, super hard. It's great for the core, great for the lats. It's very challenging for the chest as well. Um, so it's kind of one of those all-inclusive that sneaks up to you and is really more challenging than you think. Um, and I mean, that's, again, stuff that you can do without anything. And, and of course, the med ball throws. And if they don't have that, you can still have them throw their towels down or throw whatever <laughs> whatever they have available because it's the, it's the actual motion, um, not necessarily the weight. And it's how fast can they can they do the actual motion that you're having them do. Yeah. And again, you know, the plyo pushup, maybe it's just a speed pushup. So you'll find ways to modify it. And then again, you know, it, in, since Prentice isn't here, I'll bring it in. He and I would do shadow boxing a lot because, or even throwing knees and kicks because that's our background. It's just, are you able to find stuff that people can do towards that explosive movement in, you know, the right uh, available range of speed that they can control and that you can coach and that you know the compensations to look for, you know how to cue people out of it and you know how to people cue, you know, cue people back into proper form. That is the most important. And then you'll see at the bottom, something very easy is get a series of bands, or maybe you can send a link to somebody online to where to find the bands and they can bring their own bands to your class potentially, or however you want to do it. And at least you can do some speed components. Now, remember it's not full acceleration because you're stopping at some point if you're not releasing an object. But again, if you're not a professional athlete, as long as you're moving towards the spectrum of power, that's what generally is the most important. Now, with Wendy's clients or when I worked in professional sports, yeah, you had to get truly to the best and most optimal levels of power. But that's not always the case. So this is why we offer you know, other alternatives such as the bands. Mm -hmm. Bands are great. And that's just it. If you're doing them inside, you can easily wrap a band around you know, any of the equipment. You can space it, everyone out. Again, I know that there are certain states that are shutting back down, which is kind of unfortunate. However, you're still able to, you know, it, it, just be creative and think you're trying to be as fast as they can possibly move without sacrificing their form. So, so any exercises that you can do for body parts, again, speed chest presses into speed rows and to, you know, different movements for the shoulders, um, you know, that makes sense. I think, you know, it's, it's the, the power component should be really no different. Um, we separated it for this three part series because you know, again, you want to think about some of the performance assessments and stuff like that, but your exercise selection is still going to be fun and it's just speeding everything up now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so when we set up a class, just like we would do with our one-on-one, -on -one, we have a plan. We know who's coming in. We've done our assessments. We know what our environment is. Same thing. Set yourself up for success, whether you're indoors or outdoors, know how many people you feel maximally can join safely. 
if you're outside, you got to inspect the area just to make sure that there was nothing going on that night that, you know, you got a pothole or who knows what, you know, ants, we're down in South Florida. You got to always look for like those red ants and just make sure that uh, you're there early as always to make sure that the environment's ready to go. And then are you going to do this with or without partners? What's your coaching style for that day? What's the flow of how you're breaking it down from, you know, are you going to have people going to circuit? Are they going to all do the same exercises together? Again, there's minimal equipment needed. And then obviously I already talked about the safety considerations. And then one of the most important things is how are you going to get paid? You don't want that awkward situation where somebody comes in the class and then leaves. And now you got to try to hunt them down. So there's a lot of different ways that you can, get that ahead of time, maybe during the assessment, make sure that they understand that payment plan, whether it's when they check in or they, as Wendy said, they purchased in advance and then booked themselves. So a lot of different ways that you can take care of that, just make sure you do. Absolutely. And it, and guys, the thing is, is, you know, people are, you know, one of the questions that I've, I've received actually, since we've done these last two are like, how do you know how much to pay or to charge? And, and to me, it really depends on how big is your group? You know, how individualized are the programs? Um, you know, are they meeting you somewhere? Did you have to travel? Is this like your home gym and like you're just did one on one and now you're doing a, group, a couple of groups? I think all of that you need to take in consideration. And I know Marty and I kind of hit on this last time, but I think it's important for you to think what are, what are you like? How much effort did you put into it? What is your hour rate like one on one? And then at that point, you know, take it and, you know, divide it by five, you know, or six or however many people. And then at that point, like if it ended up being like $12.50, then round it up to $15 a person. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Or if it was $20. Thing is, is somebody would rather pay $20 than $100 if they're going to get the same kind of, you know, that, that you're going to still treat them like they're one-on-one. -on -one. It's just you're doing that in a group setting and they're, they're with their friends. They're going to want to show up and you're going to have a lot of you know, a lot of people there that um, are going to want to keep coming back, which is only going to help you on how much you make per hour. Because again, if you just only have one-on-one, -on -one, whatever your one-on-one -on -one rate is, that's all you're going to make in a day because you only have so many hours in a day you can work. And that's where I got in trouble. Like I would be like, okay, I'm only going to work from here to here and then I'm done. And then somebody would be like, oh, but my friend's low back is hurting. I know that you can help them. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, come an hour earlier and I'll just come in an hour early. It's not a big deal. And then, then it was like, oh, their friend got hurt or, oh, they want me to see him. And it was like, okay, come in an hour earlier. Then it's like, okay, come another hour later. Okay, well, I won't take lunch today. And I ended up working from like 5.30 or 5 in the morning until 8 at night with no lunch, no breaks, no nothing because I wanted to fix everyone. If you're in a group and you can do this and you really teach people how to move and how to exercise and do things on their own and more and more people are able to benefit from your programming, that makes you very successful. It keeps people coming back and you're also able to earn more money without sacrificing your own day in life to try to get everybody in. And um, and that's one of the reasons when, when I went to group, I, I kind of felt a lot of relief because I made time for myself again, but still felt like I wasn't compromising, you know, like what I believed in, which was helping people feel and move better. So, so it's all about working smarter, not harder. Yes. Took me some time y'all to realize that, but well, yes. But on the flip <laughs> side to that too, is when you're one-on-one, -on -one, if somebody can't make it, you can't resell that time potentially right. if you're not charging them a cancellation fee. So in a group, you still may be able to, carry on with that group and maybe you don't make quite as much that hour. But so when we look at longevity of your career, there's a lot of benefits to doing small group, at least as part of your income structure. Yep. 
So you guys just have to figure out what's what's right for your area, what you feel comfortable charging. But remember, you're worth it. If you're using the model it's, and you've taken your CPT and you've got time under your belt and you're programming the way that you know is going to be successful, you will be successful at it. So you need to charge what you're worth and uh, and don't ever look back. So agreed. Agreed. So the key takeaways, Marty. What you, got? you want me to you want me to roll with this? Okay. So Let's not go. shocking. We never change this part of the slides. <laughs> this makes our life easier. Like every week when we do the slides, we're like, but we're leaving that one. So assessments are the key. Just because we went to the group doesn't mean that we are going to neglect the assessments. I think we covered that very well. The model, as I always say, is your friend follow the model. So we gave a three-part series. So feel free to go back and I would, you know, definitely recommend. I'm a little biased, but and so is Wendy, but definitely we did a great job talking about how you can use the CES or the OPT model. And then we finished up today with more of the power spectrum of it. Be creative as long as it follows what makes sense within the model. We gave some great examples on that. And then always using the five kinetic chain checkpoints as a reference. And Wendy and I both, we try to get our people participating to understand that so they can be another set of eyes in the class to either themselves or in that fun environment where they're helping coach each other as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, another one of the webinars that we did a while ago was actually on boot camps and how we set up boot camps. So again, small group is really different than a boot camp. Um, but if you are thinking about power, there could be some similarities in some of the exercises that we chose. And those were very partner assisted. Like we got group A and group B and group A is going here and, and group B is going here. And, you know, it's easier to coach and, and own and control the room. Um, and again, to the way you set it up, I did it where everyone had their own individualized program and I trained that way. People can do it all at the same time. I mean, the thing is, guys, is, is have fun with everything. Follow the model. Be true to the assessment. Be true to you as a trainer. Think about the acute variables. And never again, I'll say it again, don't ever sacrifice your form, especially as it gets powerful for a number. Like if you see the form is doing it, then that's when you say, okay, give me 75% this time or give me 50. Like Marty had suggested, that's a very good way to kind of calm people back down, realign everyone, and then increase the intensity as you see fit. Perfect. So Wendy, why don't you tell everyone how to get in touch with you? Absolutely. If you want to contact me, you can email me at wendy.bats at nasm.org, or you can find me on Instagram at wendy.bats13. And again, you have an amazing podcast you want to talk about. I know that you <laughs> yes. won't yourself, so I will. Uh, I love it. So I have a podcast that we do. Um, it's obviously powered by NASM. I do it with my other regional master instructor, Mr. Ken Miller. And we talk about a lot of random topics in the fitness industry. So it's called Random Fit. Um, you guys can go to anywhere that you listen to podcasts and download that podcast. And hopefully you'll enjoy the topics that we've covered so far, as well as some of the ones that we're going to cover in the future. Cool. And then to get a hold of me, it's marty.miller at nasm.org. And then Instagram right there, dr.martymiller72. And then twice a week, I hijack the NASM Instagram and go live on Tuesday. So tomorrow at 930 East Coast time. And then Fridays at 6 a.m. East Coast time. And I just hang out and see what you guys come up with. It's, you know, <laughs> we get into some great conversations, but there's no script. You can feel free to shoot the, the questions in the night before, but a lot of times it's just we log on and, you know, got people from all over the world, which is really cool. And then we just go over uh, 
whatever is on your mind at that time. So, you know, we're always trying to reach out between all of the activities we do here on social media to provide you guys ongoing access to us content and just to, so we can always help create uh, amazing opportunities for you to develop your career in the best way possible. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, thank you everyone so much for participating today. So again, remember this was the third part of that three-part series. So if this was the first one, feel free to look back and go over the other two. So that way you can see how we did this for the entire continuum. So we look forward to next week coming back at you with some things kind of wrapping up the year here in 2020. We already got that one uh, kind of framed in. So we're excited to get back with you next week. So Wendy, thank you so much as always. It's a pleasure. Always. Uh -huh.